Yeah, just just invite in the consideration that you could you could have a check in on your team in which somebody came in and their check in was so big and vast that it needed 30 minutes of your hour long meeting and you still had six other people to check in. Like to actually to actually help create a world. I'd say I almost said like to actually get to live in a world, but we, we don't get to just live in worlds. We have to make them Yeah. to actually get to live in a world, make, to help make a world in which it's possible to say like, okay, well the team is here. Like you're a human being in this room, like take your check-in, take your 30 minutes. We'll do the other six check-ins and we'll, we'll do with the last 20 minutes that we have what we can but we're not going to prioritize it so much that we're going to tell you you can't do your 30-minute check-in because we don't have time to deal with your the weight that's carry, that you're carrying on your shoulders today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing, so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Greg, so much fun watching that countdown timer. It's like, ha! (laughs) So for the listener, we use a a podcasting platform that when I hit record, it counts down from five. So uh, that's what Shannon's referring to. And yes, it's kind of fun to see what's going to happen on the other side of that. It is. I really appreciate it. Uh, you keeping in mind the listener and what their experience is of just entering our recording because <laughs> you and I have been talking and then you hit record. And so there's a whole thing that happens. Yeah, we, we sometimes record these after about 45 minutes or an hour of conversation. So that's that's a reality. That's what happens sometimes. And that's what happened today. Yeah, for real, catch us midstream in our thought process. So yeah. Yeah. So maybe our check-in today could be like checking in since we last checked in, right? So like okay. what has what is now moving in you in the most current moment given that we've we already kind of did a check-in based on the weekend and all of that. Okay, that sounds good. It's already changed. So I guess I'll start. So I Sure. checked in earlier about an hour ago little less just coming at feeling like in my own personal material around what's my value as I try and price a program that I'm really excited about and getting all gummed up in my system around money Mm. and programs and marketing and capitalism and just all the stuff that (laughs) totally spins me out. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. Uh, So feeling already... (laughs) some distance from that and that feels good and feeling connected to you, Greg. And, um, you know, we just have some stuff going on in our professional lives with people we care about. And so it's just nice to be 
holding that together and sort of sitting with things. So I'm feeling way more present and way less grumpy (laughs) and happy to be sitting here (laughs) with you, even though I'm not quite sure what we're going to talk about. So I'm in and my capacity feels uh, higher than it did a a while ago. That's for sure. So that's me. How are you? How are you doing since we last checked in? Yeah, I feel similar. I, I didn't come in all tied up in a knot around pricing something. Um, but I definitely came in from, you know, a, um, a morning that just kind of like leapfrogging from thing to thing as, as often happens for me. And, and like, like had just settled here in this location to, re- to be on this call with you and record and all that. And that's all settled. So I'm feeling actually really quite calm and present here. I'm definitely tracking the part of my mind that is like the, two different things that are in that you that you were alluding to around like the stuff going on in our professional lives with people we care about that are that are there and there you know this is just a little bit of little bit of sadness related to those and a little bit of anxiety related to those and yeah so that that's present for me for sure mm-hmm. and um yeah but also you know excited to see what unfolds we have loose plan i guess not a huge plan (laughs) very very Um, very barely a plan (laughs) so (laughs) you seem to have a hold of it why don't you reconnect us i I don't know if i have a a hold of it maybe it doesn't want to be held i i well what i when when we started talking about like what do we want to talk about uh, i brought up my interruption a couple of weeks ago I I very rudely interrupted your thought and I and I opened the door to the open the fourth wall and did made kind of a plea to managers and leaders, team leaders and organizations to stop making things mandatory. Yes. To please in the name of all things stop making people go to things they don't want to go to that are facilitated by people like us who then have to now facilitate a group of people who have their arms crossed and are looking at their watches, actually more likely looking at their phones yeah, and aren't present to begin with and not sure that that's really useful. And so the question of like how, you know, what does it look like to, if to be, to engage in disrupting, uh, oppressive systems of disrupting white supremacy, disrupting patriarchal systems, disrupting, I mean, all the things you were mentioning and your concern about your pricing, you know, like, right. um, to actually, and, and then even to disrupt the part of us that is afraid that if I make something optional, no one would come, <laughs> you right. know, like, what would that say? Like, what does that say about me as a leader and, and as a facilitator? I can definitely think about the, like, the, what, what happens if people stop coming to my things and what that brings up for me and, um, yeah. And, and, you know, and then you were mentioning in your own, some of the things that you're doing that are not necessarily organizationally facing where people are choosing to come to a thing you're offering, but like you're offering to them, Hey, it's not all or nothing. You know, right. it can be, if all you can do is make it for 10 minutes and that helps like awesome. Well, that's, that's really damn disruptive because we so oftentimes think of things as being either I'm there or I'm not. So I don't know. I think that I feel like there's something to explore in that and what that could look like. What does that feel like in the body? Mm. What's the possibility of um, what it would, what it could actually, the impact it could have um, to, to make these, make things like that, you know, whatever it is really, honestly, if it's a training or if it's a team 
building session or a team coaching session, what would it look like to say not not mandatory or weekly like, check ins? Uh, you and I were talking with someone staff meeting, yeah, who yeah. was like, we have these weekly status meetings and we don't yeah. like them and they're stupid and they don't serve anyone but the leader. And it's like, what if nobody came to that? <laughs> anyway, I think the yeah. Yeah. some of what we're getting to is quote the little things you know, assumptions that are embedded in our work, they aren't little, but they could be little changes. Like what if we did X, Y, Z, but I want to back up for a second Mm -hmm. and go back to the, you know, when you interrupted me back then, which I don't remember. (laughs) Thanks for tracking that. I I, I did. Yeah. I I mean, I I apologized in the moment. I did. I remember the, now that you, you know, you do do that. Um, but it brings up a lot of energy for you. I remember the energy associated with that moment, not the interruption. And mm. so I'm curious to start there. Speaking of being in the body, mm. like it brings up so much energy. What is that energy about for you? I feel like we underestimate the kinds of information we get from the people that we're working with about what's useful and what isn't useful. Mm. And we make assumptions based on, the templates or models we know about what we should and shouldn't be doing in organizations, on teams, and and literally anything. So it's like the idea of having a staff meeting, an all hands meeting in an organization. I'm thinking about like, you know, an organization we did some work with, a small manufacturing company that is no longer existent, but they like started doing these all hands meetings. I'm thinking about even a company like that who said, okay, we're going to do a all, all hands meeting but you don't have to come, right? Like that, there's a way in which that's kind of contradictory. Right. But I think that we have this idea that if I'm going to have a staff meeting, it has to be mandatory. And like, I can remember my last job, like internal to an organization job, we had weekly staff meetings that were like the longest hour of the week. Right. And they were the first hour of the week. Uh, so it was Mondays at nine. Yeah all hands, everybody's got to be there. And it was like the longest hour of the entire week. And the reason we did that was because that's what you do. Right. You know, and I think we underestimate the the idea of maybe we would get useful information if we let go of that kind of control. Mm. And if we showed up at the all hands meeting and only five people were there out of 50, we would have some really useful information. And that information we could begin to use to figure out what do we need to do to try to get all 50 people here, you know, and, and as opposed to doing the thing I think that happens in a lot of organizations, which is to double down on the control. Mm-hmm. So I think it's part of it. it has to do with like trust and it has to do with um, whether or not we are willing to receive the feedback that like, yeah, this doesn't work for us. We we're not, we're not getting anything out of it. Yeah. So it sounds like it brings up energy of God, stop assuming that that's what we do. Like the blind acceptance of this is the way we do things brings up energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know me well enough to know that I definitely like, any kind of assumption that the, this is just the way things are right. drives me completely ba- batshit, yeah. honestly. like Because it's only that way because that's what we're doing. And the only reason we're doing it is because that's what we think we we're supposed to do, right. usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the energy of 
think of what we would learn if we just stopped doing that, you know, uh, cause I, is that true too? Yeah. Cause I, uh, I think of that. We don't know, you know, we don't even know, like, it's like the, there's so many unknowns on the other side of just stop doing what we think we're supposed to do. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me, actually, we were talking about liberating structures earlier, but one of the things they advocate, advocate for in some of their structures is like, what could we stop doing? Like so much could be, don't even think about what you're going to start because you don't know what to start. Just stop X, Y, Z thing and see what comes into that space. And like, even that's a crazy disruptive idea because we need to have action items and plans and all the things. And it's just like, no, just stop doing that stuff (laughs) and be honest about it. And let's see what happens. That, I mean, I get so excited. Now I've got a ton of energy. Let's do that. (laughs) I'm reading Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Way, which just came out in January. And, and he, there's a section in there on rules Mm. and he, he talks about how rules are like any kind of guiding principle we use in our craft, whatever that it's, it's about, I mean, it's, it's a book about creativity, right? right? But like, I think it can get applied in almost any area. And one of the things he talks about is like for an artist, an artist typically will think of a rule as being breakable. So all rules should be breakable. right? And then one of the, then like the next chapter is like, try doing the opposite. Exactly. What you're saying, do the opposite of everything you're doing including like his, his book even says, if you applied the opposite of every single one of these chapters, you would be using the book properly. I love <laughs> that. And, and so there's a way in which like what you're, what you're talking about, I think, you know, it's like, what does it look like for an organization to say, like, we're not going to have any decisions at meetings for the next month. Yeah. I mean, just, there are so many things that you could do. And I think the information what would be liberated in that would just be pretty tremendous. And I don't want to downplay the fact that it could be really hard. Like you were speaking to, you know, what happens when mm-hmm. people don't come to your things, you're going to get all sorts of information and it's not going to be easy. Right. Uh, however, it feels like you'll be operating from potentially not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, a lot more truth. And it seems to me that, you know, at least a closer to the truth reflection of, you know, all sorts of things, you know, we're using, I'm thinking of this very specific example of making meetings, not mandatory. And if no one comes, that's a certain kind of truth about how meaningful that meeting was, uh, which doesn't need to be taken personally. It was just, Hey, that wasn't useful. So. Well, there's, the, the, the thing is, is I think you also can get different levels of it, right? right? So it could be, yeah, it turns out everybody sees this, like the person we you were referring to earlier that we were talking to who was, who was in this like kind of horrible meeting on a regular basis. That meeting could have been an email, right? right. Easy, like just making an email. Nobody needs to, no one's going to read it anyways. Nobody's paying attention anyways. The only person who's listening is the, the person who called the meeting. Right. They could do one-on-ones, they could do an email, whatever. That's one level. But another level could be, well, I'm never heard in those meetings anyways. Nobody ever listens to my right. point anyways. So why should I bother coming? That's another level of information that can be really useful. Now, it's not comfortable. Like if you're the leader of the team or the leader of the organization or whatever, and you hear like, hey, there are people who are saying that they don't feel heard. Right. That's not necessarily easy to take in. To the to the point of this podcast that would be especially challenging i would imagine for 
especially white bodied leaders to hear that about people of color saying like, look, you don't, you don't hear me anyway. So I'm not coming. Well, and I was thinking of the flip side of people of color feeling at all safe or like they could even, well, to not come and to say anything about that without for fear of retaliation. So just thinking about the, you know, privilege inherent in some of what we're talking about here for all people to feel like this is a liberatory thing. I mean, this could be liberatory or it could be harmful. It could be dangerous. It could be very destabilizing at the same time. So that's always important to think about too. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think there's a lot, I mean, there's, there's nothing that's like, maybe it's simple, but it's not easy. And there's, there's definitely complexities to it. Yeah. And the, the reality though, is that our, our assuming that we have to always do the things we've always done. Right. That that's never going to lead to us actually making the kinds of changes that we often are trying or profound profess we're trying to make, you know? And so trying different experiments and looking at the ways, I think one of the things that, that I can imagine if I put myself in the shoes of being a team leader and saying like, okay, I'm going to make my team meetings optional. I'm giving up control of some aspect of what's going on on my team. And that is going to force me to come into a different kind of relationship with them. Right. It's going to force me to come into a different kind of relationship with myself, first of all. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I think that there's, you know, the, maybe it's even just doing the thought experiment is, is the useful thing. The thought experiment of what it means to stop doing what we're always doing and that, and where we could do that, that, and what comes up. Picking a, picking a specific thing, picking a specific thing and saying like, okay, what's a, what's a, something that I'm willing to, you know, that, that I might experiment with and flip on its head. Yeah. And it, it's making me what you gave the example of the Rick Rubin book and taking the rules and doing the opposite. It makes me think of mm-hmm. picking a thing, pick up the characteristics of white supremacy, look at what we typically do and do the opposite of all of those mm-hmm. things. Or that's, that's mm-hmm. a tall order. Maybe do the opposite of three or four of those things. You know, what would it look like to have a meeting that didn't center urgency or right or wrong or you know, avoiding conflict. So I think there's any number of things too, that we could, we could do there. And it's making me think of how on a bigger picture, these little things, you and I have been talking a lot about, you know, want to change your organizational culture, change your meetings. So Mm -hmm. what are all the, if we want a new culture that is not the dominant culture that it is in the United States of white supremacy, then what is it that we're trying to create? So I think there are some doorways mm-hmm. here for for what what we're learning to do by doing these kinds of disruptions in little and tiny ways, while also keeping mm-hmm. in mind, usually white folks are the ones controlling these decisions in the space and the experiments. So let's also really track impacts and blind spots from our privilege of being in these positions too. Yeah, which would which would mean needing to look at who is being centered in the, the, the decision-making process around making those kinds of changes, right? right. Like whose perspective is actually being held and centered. What's the best way to get, you know, everybody's thoughts on something or to make a decision collectively or to relay information to one another or 
build rapport across the team and the organization. Right. And all of those different things are different reasons to have meetings, you know, the reasons to do, to do things, I mean, not to mention like team coaching or team building or um, strategic planning, visioning, all of those different, you know, kinds of things we tend to think of as being discrete, distinct things that are very oftentimes the very thing that we're being hired for and everybody's been told to be there, you know, be at the thing at nine on Tuesday. Right. Very frequently, you know, a, there's a, there's not an insignificant amount of time that is spent with trying to engage somebody who doesn't want to be there. Yeah. I've been working with um, a company that has actually let go of making things mandatory and it's really lovely. Mm -hmm. uh, and still most people are showing up and it's been interesting to watch over mm -hmm. time. Some of the folks that, you know, he was like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure they don't seem to come. I don't know what to do have also organically left the company. Uh, so it's been an interesting, mm. I mean, I, I, I can't say for sure that's a good thing. Maybe they left the company because they didn't feel safe there or there is any number of reasons uh, why people could have left the company. So I don't want to assume that it was mm -hmm. necessarily that, that set someone free in a good way. Um, that could have been in response mm -hmm. to something. But it's been interesting to watch the the letting go and the the information that comes back. And also there's just less energy mm -hmm. spent on trying to make people do things. Here's the meeting. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Here's the time. Love to have you. Here's what we're doing. Hope to see you there. So that's been an interesting experiment to be in together. I think that it's easy to assume that there's like some approach or some version of what we're talking about that could be done in a way that's perfect and mm like has a smooth transition and gets exactly what you're looking for out of it and is not oppressive in any way or harmful in any way. But that, nah. that in, in and of itself is a, you know, a supremacist way of thinking. Yeah. And the reality is, is that most places need to make changes in the way that they're doing things simply based on the, you know, the the data i mean i don't i if you do a poll on linkedin and you ask people do you like meetings or you don't like meetings most people are probably going to pick don't like meetings and the reason isn't because meetings suck the reason is because the meetings that they go to suck right you know and there's so i i'm i mean i firmly believe that like if we're going to actually make changes we need to make some changes one of the changes we can make is like let's let's liberate people from needing to be here. Now, how that plays out in certain organizations and how that plays out in specific scenarios is going to be different from place to place probably. And there may be, there may be times when something causes a stir and the charge of race is, is a part of that. Right. That's going to happen. And I think to, you know, to the, the things we've talked about in relationship to, you know, our, the, some of the questions that our teacher Aaron Johnson asks around, you know, willingness to harm mm. in the sense, you know, like in the, in the reach, like, are you willing to actually 
to potentially engage in harm in order to reach, recognizing that there's no way you can actually reach and not cause some sort of harm. The question is how willing to, how willing are you to stay in, in the relationship? How willing are you to actually follow through with the the repair and all of that work? Yeah. I don't think we can avoid these things, you know? And so what does it mean to actually actually start those levels of disruption? You know, and I, I think that the more we can the more we can do that openly and build the capacities to be in these conversations at the same time, you know, maybe that gets us somewhere. I really appreciate you bringing in the perfectionism. Let's do it the right way, the perfect way, the thing that doesn't cause any harm. And also what we're supposing harm is already being caused. Harm is already present in the ways that we do things. Mm -hmm. So let's do something else. Might as well do something else that is Mm -hmm. trying to head us toward a culture that is more honoring of the humans that Mm -hmm. are in the room and harm will be Mm -hmm. caused as we learn and go to your point. Are we leaning in? Are we building the capacities? Are we staying relating? Are we repairing? Reminds me of Mm -hmm. our other friend, Adam Slade, who we've had here. And he said, what if we held meetings? What if the purpose of meetings was to create community? Mm-hmm. Our meetings right mm-hmm. now, the purpose of a meeting is to be productive. The purpose of a meeting is to get outcomes. The purpose of the meetings is to mm-hmm. gain efficiency. It's not as if we're not <laughs> up to something in our meetings. What if we were up to something else mm-hmm. and we challenge the belief mm-hmm. that being up to creating community is not antithetical to productivity? Something interesting and surprising might happen if you focused on creating community. So, you know, and held it not as an either or and not as if it wasn't important. We're all so focused on the task of our work. There's a whole relational component to this. And that might make us better able to navigate conflict or be able to repair or, hey, you know, give each other feedback that helps us all learn and grow like good feedback, not shitty feedback. So, uh, yeah, we're up to something already. Let's be up to something else. How about Uh, something, something that is pointing us in the right direction. Yes. The, the, the hyper focus on productivity, the centering of productivity above all else, I don't think points us in the right direction. No, It points us towards a world in which the task is more important than the human being that's supposed to do the task yeah and there are very very few things that are happening in the world today i mean i I hate to break it to anybody listening to this but chances are your job's actually not more important than you are right like like if 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 something like 80 or 90 percent of the jobs in the world went away tomorrow like we'd probably be okay we learned real fast during the pandemic the beginning stages of the pandemic like what was essential, right? And it was like grocery workers, healthcare workers. That's kind of full stop right? Right. <laughs> in some ways. Like that's what we needed. I mean, you know, maintenance of like utilities, important. Yeah. Not to say that what you do, do isn't important, but like, is it as important as, you know, the the well-being of the people who were engaged in the work? Yeah. That's a question to ask yourself, you know? And if and and I think that the, I mean, so in, in a lot of ways, what we're talking about here is, creating work practices that are 
what's the word? Um, life-giving? Humane and, and life-giving. Yeah, life-giving. Humane. I like, life-giving. I like humane um, and life-giving. I mean, just the extent of which we've been trained to view the world and ourselves as expendable uh, is yeah. it's staggering. Let's not do that yeah. as if it were that simple. Some ways it feels that simple, to be honest, doing check-ins at meetings, mm-hmm. you know, honoring the fact that people show up with a huge kaleidoscope of things that are going on in their lives that are mm-hmm. deeply, deeply impactful and worthy of each other's compassion, you know, and the big machine of capitalism and, and patriarchy, all of that feels mm-hmm. impossible to upend. Yeah, just just invite in the consideration that you could you could have a check in on your team, in which somebody came in, and their check in was so big and vast that it needed thirty minutes of your hour long meeting, and you still had six other people to check in, like to actually to actually help create a world. I'd say I almost said like to actually get to live in a world, but we, we don't get to just live in worlds. We have to make them Yeah, to actually get to live in a world, make, to help make a world in which it's possible to say like, okay, well the team is here. Like you're a human being in this room, like take your check-in, take your 30 minutes. We'll do the other six check-ins and we'll, we'll do the last 20 minutes that we have what we can but we're not going to prioritize it so much that we're going to tell you, you can't do your 30 minute check-in because we don't have time to deal with your, the weight that's carry that you're carrying on your shoulders today. I mean, I've heard stories. I don't know about you. That's the world. I would like to live in. I think we could get just as much done to be honest. We could have long check-ins and people could get support and help each other out. And someone might say the whole team might say, go home, go do your thing, please go take care of yourself. And I think, the team might be all the better. The product might be all the better. Not that I'm saying I give really much two shits about the final product most of the time, but because companies need to, um, but most importantly, take care of you humans and see what happens. I'd like to stop there. Yes. I don't know what else we could possibly say. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of each other. Yeah, what are the little ways you can disrupt things that tell you that there's no time or no resources or no support or it's too woo-woo or touchy-feely or not on the agenda? Just interrupt even those little stories of that you're carrying around. Yeah, I think I've I've mentioned here before one of the ways that I've chosen to reframe woo-woo in my head is the recognition that most of what we call woo-woo is actually central to somebody else's culture. It's actually something that somebody takes sacred. Mm. It's sacred to somebody. Somebody takes seriously in their life. And so what does it mean to actually say like the possibility that what we think of as being completely outlandish and unprofessional or whatever, not suitable for the workplace is actually something that somebody in your workplace may actually consider to be very important in their life and actually could potentially help them feel like they belong so it's like like all of these things are like ways of which we can hold the the giant question of like how do we 
take care of everybody in the whole without going into the whole like checklist of like making sure every single thing is every T is crossed, every I is dotted perfectionism thing. Yeah. But well, and as facilitators and coaches and consultants, we have opportunities to nudge in these little ways. Do we really need to have this meeting that fast? Is it, is that urgent? Are we creating false urgency? That's something I'll ask clients or people Mm -hmm. who show up Mm -hmm. apologizing. It's like, that's okay. I know it's no joke. What you do, you have to do to get here. I'm so glad you're here. What can we, what's the most important thing we can do for 30 minutes? Let's start with the check-in. I mean, there, so we we can do it. We can. Little acts of resistance, little acts of resistance. What's, uh, what's, what's one thing you can disrupt this week? Yes. One thing you can disrupt this week in the name of a, and let us know how it goes. Culture where we take care of our humanity together. And do let us know how cool. it goes. We'll leave it there. Yeah. All the normal things. You can find us uh, at connectionworks.com. You can email us at Shannon or Greg at connectionworks.com. And stay mm-hmm. tuned for our Disrupting Our Practice program, which we are noodling and getting in the works right now to come in the fall. Yep. And... Yep getting some guests for the podcast. We are teeing that up. We are not creating false urgency around that. So it's coming slowly, but surely we may have been saying that the last 18 podcasts, but it happens when it happens. Yep. It's, it's coming for sure. Yep. And yeah, we also have our disrupting our practice LinkedIn group. Uh, You can search for it there. We'd love it. If, uh, if you are getting something out of this, um, please leave a review. He, um, I think Apple is the one that lets you leave reviews. I'm not sure about the others, but um, it'd be great if you would be willing to do that. And if you're not getting something out of it, we'd like to know that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're not getting anything out of it, definitely please tell you're us. You're probably not listening. If you've, but... <laughs> if you've listened this far, I'm very curious. Um, <laughs> uh, ra- rage listening or something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, but thank you so much. Um, and thank you, Shannon. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Always fun. Cool. Yes. We will uh, talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.